Good morning and welcome to our Park at Home video worship experience. Uh, wherever you're tuning in from, it's good to be with you, even while not being with you. Uh, if, if you tuned in last week, then you may recall that we started a new sermon series called Drawing Near, Moving Closer to God While Far from Others. And, and the basic idea is that our, our hope during this time, while, while we are isolated, quarantined, some of us alone and physically far from others, that, that we in some way would respond to God's invitation to draw near to him. And, and so what we're doing is we're taking time over the course of seven weeks and we're looking at seven different psalms. The, the Old Testament book of Psalms is a collection of 150 songs, poems, and prayers written to God. And, and over the course of these next seven weeks, we're looking at seven different types of psalms. And so, for example, last week we looked at a psalm of praise and we explored the question, why, why is it that God is worthy of our joyful worship? What is it about him that makes it appropriate for us to shout for joy to God? This morning, we are moving to the other end of the emotional spectrum. And we are looking at Psalm 22, which is often categorized as a psalm of lament, also called a psalm of complaint. Now, this, this word lament isn't a really a common word that, that we use a lot of today. Uh, the, the basic meaning of the word lament is, is to, if, to lament is to express sorrow or grief. It's to complain. It's, it's to cry out in pain, to, to protest, to, to mourn out loud. And, and I read a very interesting uh, statement recently from a, a popular Christian music artist. And he said this, he said, 70%, roughly 70% of, of the Psalms contain some element of lament, right? 40% of the Psalms are just pure lament Psalms, but 70% contain some element of, of lament. And yet, out of the top 150 songs on the contemporary Christian music chart, so, so the, the most popular 150 songs sung in churches today, out of those 150, zero are songs of lament. Now, that may have changed since, since the statement was made, and there may be one or two lament songs in the top 150 of contemporary Christian songs today. And yet, even if so, the, the disparity is striking, isn't it? Like, I wonder, why is it, why is it that, that we assume that God doesn't want us to come to him with our lament? with our complaints, with our whatever it is we're experiencing. And, and I, I wonder if in part it's, it's because we, we don't like it when people come to us with their complaints, right? <laughs> Especially if you're a parent. And, and yet here's the incredibly good news. God welcomes 
our prayers of lament. Like whatever it is that we're going through, whatever intense feelings or thoughts we are experiencing, God invites us to come and to lay it before him. And and as we look at Psalm 22 this morning, I want to invite us to explore the question, why? Why is it that God welcomes our prayers of lament? And and as I think about this question in light of Psalm 22, the the very first thing that comes to mind is is simply this, that, that it seems clear that God welcomes our prayers of lament because he wants an honest relationship. He welcomes our prayers of lament because he wants an honest relationship. Isn't it it shocking how honest the psalmist in Psalm 22 is? I mean, his, his very first words right out of the gate are, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from my cries of anguish? My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. By night, but I find no rest. The psalmist is experiencing something so, so intense that that it leaves him feeling as if God has abandoned him as if God is far away, as if God is ignoring him. And it's, it's not that God has actually abandoned him or actually is far away or actually is ignoring him. And yet this is how the psalmist feels. And not only does the psalmist feel this way, but he's honest enough to tell God about his feelings. He's honest enough to tell God, to cry out to God, to lament to God, God, why have you forsaken me? Where are you? Like it's so, it's so honest, right? You see that, that we have prayers in the Bible like this that invite us to come before God in the same way. God wants an honest relationship with us. He invites us to share our most intense feelings whatever they may be, our our deepest thoughts with him. This includes our protests. This includes our complaints. This includes our pleas for help. This includes our even, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He invites us to this kind of honesty because here's the deal. He already knows what we're thinking, right? I mean, even before we know what we're thinking or feeling, God knows. There's, there's nothing I can pray to God or say to God to which his response would be, wait, what? Michael, you, wait, you're feeling how? Wait, wh- what are you thinking right now, right? Like, he already knows what we're thinking or feeling. And so he, he invites us then, for our sake, to, to just be honest about it and to bring it before him. We're not going to surprise him. He's big enough to take it, whatever it is that we're feeling or thinking. See, God knows that our unspoken hurts create relational distance. Let me say that again. Our unspoken hurts create relational distance. 
And, and this is true in our relationship with God, but I think, I think we all know this simply from, from our relationships with one another, right? I, I remember early on in, in the first year of my marriage, uh, something happening several times. I'm, I'm a slow learner. Uh, several times that went something like this. Uh, my wife, Sina, I remember say, saying something that, that I took the wrong way that in some way ruffled my feathers, that, that really bothered me, right? And I, I'm sure this doesn't happen in any other marriages. Uh, and yet, because it was my tendency, uh, I, I didn't say anything about it. I didn't share with her that my feelings were hurt. I kept it in. And so time went by until one day, Cena said, Michael, what's up? Like, you seem a little off. Is, is everything okay? You seem like distant from me. And that's when everything came out. <laughs> and I said, okay, you know what? No, you, you said something that really bothered me. And she said, oh my goodness, I'm, I'm so sorry. When, was that this morning? Like, and, and I said, no, it was three weeks ago. <laughs> She's like, wait, what? And I said, yeah, remember when we were driving down the road and there was that store and we started talking and then she's like, no, no, I don't remember that. That was three weeks ago, Michael. Why didn't you say something to me, right? And, and I slowly began to learn, oh, like that's, that's not healthy. Like I, I need to learn to be honest because when we hold hurt, when we hold pain or grief in our heart, that, that, creates, that creates relational distance right? Well, it's the same thing in our relationship with God, and, and God knows that. Unspoken hurt creates relational distance, and so he welcomes us and our prayers of lament. He welcome, welcomes our complaints, our protests about whatever it is we might be experiencing because he wants an honest relationship with us. But there's, there's another reason, though, as we look at Psalm 22, why I, I think God welcomes our laments. He, he wants an honest relationship with us. But secondly, and this is, this is a beautiful paradox of prayer, I think, uh, lament can be and is uh, an expression of faith. Lament can be a beautiful expression of faith. You notice that in the first half of Psalm 22, it's, it's predominantly lament, um, and even, even heavily so, right? And so verses 14 and 15, for example, the, the psalmist says, I, pour, I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart has turned to wax. It has melted within me. My mouth is dried up like a potsherd and my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You lay me in the dust of death. See, the, the, the psalmist is experiencing something so intense. It's like death. And he's crying out. He's lamenting to God. And this sort of mood dominates the first half of this psalm. But then the shift happens a little more than halfway through. And, and this shift happens, and the psalmist then begins to praise God and to begins to, to declare confidence in, in the hope that God will deliver, rescue, and save. 
And so in verse 22, for example, we read the psalmist saying, I will declare your name to my people in the assembly. I will praise you. Do you, do you see how these two, these two expressions of intense emotion are on polar, polar opposite sides of the emotional spectrum, right? Extreme mourning, sorrow, grief, and then praise. And yet this prayer so beautifully captures the way that, that we can express both of these emotions in prayer in such a way that they dovetail together, in such a way that lament flows naturally into praise. Like they, there's a sense in which they belong together. And yet, yet it's, it's not simply the explicit uh, words of praise that express faith, but but even the words of lament themselves are an expression of faith. And here's, here's what I mean by that. When we cry out to God, even, even when we complain to God and say, God, where are you? What is going on right now? It's like, why are you allowing all of this to happen to me or to the people that I love? Like when we lament to God, we are assuming two things. One, we are assuming that God is listening. And two, we are assuming that God cares. Right? Why would the psalmist go through the trouble of crying out to God in prayer? Right? Why would any of the psalmists go through the trouble of writing down these prayers unless they believed, at least in the possibility, that God is actually listening. That God is listening with an attentive ear and, and not just listening, but, but that God cares. I mean, in verse 24, the, the, the psalmist expl explicitly uh, declares that he believes that God is listening to his prayers. Um, and, and yet also, why, why would the psalmist, in, in verse 19, for example, Say, come quickly to help me, deliver me, rescue me, save me. Why would he ask for God's help unless he assumed that God actually cared? Why would the psalmist protest evil and suffering unless he believed that God's character was just and that God was the sort of person, the sort of being who cared deeply about justice? See, when, when we complain to God, we, we're assuming that he's listening and that he's caring in the same way that when my three-year-old comes to me because his big sister smacked him and it hurt, he assumes that I, that I will both listen and that I will care about the fact that something wrong has just been done. And in fact, if he doesn't come to me, but he feels that something's been done that's wrong, but but he doesn't feel the freedom to come to me, that would concern me as a parent, right? It's, it's the same way with God. When we complain, when we offer prayers of lament to God, we are assuming that he's listening and we are assuming that, that he cares. And therefore, prayers of lament can be this, this beautifully profound expression of faith. I saw this displayed and experienced this in a powerful way uh, in a conversation with a, a Kenyan friend of mine once. 
in Kenya, in the city of Nairobi. I was having a, a conversation with her and, and she, she shared with me about an incident that had happened recently. She was watching the news and, and she heard a story on the news about a young girl who, who had been hurt, who had been wounded. And because I believe it was about, uh, there was some sort of terrorist attack. And, and this young girl was in critical condition and teetering on, uh, between life and death. And, and my friend saw this on the news and was so moved that in that moment, she got down on her knees and started praying to God. And, and she, she's telling me about this. She's, and she's telling me what she prayed. And, and she prayed to God something like this. She said, God, and she's like waving her finger. She's like, God, don't, don't you dare let this girl die. God, I know you. I know that you, you are a God of justice. I know that you love this girl even more than I do. Don't, don't let me down. Do not let this girl die. Right? We're, we're sitting there and she's sharing with me that this is her prayer. And I, in that moment, I remember thinking, man, I, I don't at all pray like this. And, I, and in the moment, I remember thinking, and I wouldn't pray like this. Like if I saw a news article or a news story like that on TV, I'd probably just be moved and be like, oh, that's so sad. And then move on to the next story right? I, and be like, well, and maybe at some level be like, oh, God's got this, which was probably closer to a sort of philosophical stoicism than, than actually biblical faith. And, and over time, as I've reflected on, uh, on that conversation with my friend, I've, I've come to the conclusion that she had a prayer life and a faith that was so much more biblical than mine, because she she knew, she knew that God welcomed lament. God welcomed complaint. She knew that, that prayers of lament can be such powerful expressions of faith because they assume that God is listening and they assume that God actually cares, that there are things in this world, things in our lives, maybe even something you're experiencing right now, that are not the way they're supposed to be because of the presence of sin and evil and death. And, and, and one day, because of who God is, one day we will live in a world, all of those who belong to him will live in a world where, where those things are no more. And yet we live in a world where those things still exist. And so we protest because we know it's not the way it's supposed to be and we know these things break God's heart. And we may not find out why he allows certain things to happen in the here and now that one day we'll have no part in his new creation. Uh, and yet we, we are utterly within the bounds of our rights of faith to protest evil and suffering and death as an expression of our faith. Like God welcomes our prayers of lament. And he does so because, again, he wants an honest relationship. He, he does so because our lament can actually be an expression of faith. But, but finally, finally, God also welcomes our prayers of lament 
because lament leads to the heart of the gospel. Lament leads us to the heart of the, the good news about Jesus, the saving story of Jesus. See, I, I don't think it's an accident that, that the several words from this prayer of lament in Psalm 22 point toward and even show up in the story of Jesus. Even in the Gospel of Mark, for example. So, for example, in verses 7 and 8 of Psalm 22, we read this. We read, all who see me mock me, the psalmist is saying. He's complaining. Everyone who sees me mocks me. They hurl insults, shaking their heads. He trusts in the Lord, they say. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him, since he delights in him. Right? The psalmist is complaining about enemies that he has. People who who wish him harm, who mock him and tear him down. Well, in, in the Gospel of Mark chapter 15, what we find is the soldiers who were crucifying Jesus, mocking him. And not only that, but people who walked by, hurled insults at him. Even, even the a criminal that was being crucified next to him insulted him. Right? And, uh, but not only that, but then in, in verse 18, we, we find the psalmist saying this. He says, they, that is his enemies, they divide my clothes among them and cast lots for my garment. And in other words, he's saying that there are these enemies of mine who, uh, who are living as if I was already dead, right? Because this idea of casting lots or rolling dice for your clothes, taking the things that belong to me, it's, to them, it's as if I'm already dead. And then, and then we go again to Mark 15, and what we find is the soldiers, the Roman soldiers crucifying Jesus, casting lots for Jesus' garments, rolling dice to figure out who gets this piece and that piece. Do you see this lament pointing toward Jesus? And, and of course, most notably, in the, the very opening words of this psalm, we find word for word on the lips of Jesus among some of the final words of his life when when he says my god my god why have you forsaken me clearly Jesus had prayed this prayer before had read this psalm before clearly it was it was woven into the very fabric of his prayer life see at at the center of the christian worldview is the profound mystery that that when Jesus died on the cross, it was not simply an, an unfortunate death, an unjust death of, of a good man. No, it was, it was the unique moment in history, within the entire span of history, in which the God of all creation subjected himself to the, the most intense suffering of our world. And, and in so doing, took upon himself the full weight of sin and death and evil. All because of his great love for us. All so that the world might be reconciled to him. Do you see? Like the, the reason why God welcomes our prayers of lament is because he's been there. He's, he's experienced suffering in this world. He's experienced what it, what it feels like to be abandoned by friends. He's experienced intense 
emotional anguish, physical suffering, humiliation. He, he's even experienced what, what it feels like to feel utterly forsaken and abandoned by God. Like, th- think about that for a minute. This is why he, he invites us to come, to come, because he's been there. Whatever it is you're experiencing today, this week, throughout this pandemic, God invites you to bring it to him. He invites you to cry out to him. He invites you to protest the suffering and the evil and everything you may be experiencing or seeing that, that you know does not belong in this world and in your life. He welcomes our prayers of lament. See, when, when life is usual, there, there's enough lament to go around. There's enough cause for lament. Uh, how much more during this unusual time? I mean, maybe you've lost a loved one and, and you're trying to figure out how in the world do I mourn what's happening right now, let alone plan a funeral. Like, maybe you're a senior in high school and, and you're realizing that this, this is not this is not at all how you expected to spend this very unique time in your life with prom and graduation and connecting with friends and all of the disappointment that comes with being isolated and quarantined during a time like this. I mean, maybe being stuck at home in what was already a tension-filled environment has only created more tension for you. Maybe, maybe you were lonely before any of this happened and the isolation, the quarantine, the, the stay-at-home order has, has only exacerbated that loneliness. Whatever your experience, like the, the good news is that God welcomes our prayers of lament. And so, so I want to invite you sometime this week to, to set aside time and and to offer a prayer of lament to God. I might even encourage you to to write it down. And I'm sure for many of us, there's enough going on in our own lives that it won't be hard to articulate a lament to God. Um, But if if you're like, you know what, actually, things are great for me, well, then this would be my encouragement. Uh, There are many people in this world for whom things are not great. And so I want to encourage you to look around the world and to find things that that you know upset God and should upset us as well and cry out to God. Cry out to him that he would bring his rescue and renewal, that he would bring his healing, that he would bring his justice. I want to invite you this week to in some way offer a prayer of lament. And I want to begin now. Uh, would, you, would you join us in, in this prayer of lament? Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you scared, confused, and honestly feeling helpless and adrift. How long will we be kept in a state of not knowing when our lives will be and feel safe again? 
Why don't our healthcare workers have the proper protection and why can't we adequately test for this awful illness? How long will we be kept seeing more people get sick and die? Why can't their loved ones be with them to comfort them? And for those that are staying home, trying to keep themselves and others healthy, how long will this isolation last, Father? We miss our normal lives full of the people, places, and things that bring us joy, fulfillment, or an outlet. Lord, do not be far from us. Please make yourself so evident to each of us. For those that are vulnerable or that are healthy and staying home, at times unwillingly or uncomfortably, protect them and provide necessary caution. Father, thank you for our healthcare workers. Keep them safe, give them knowledge about effective treatment and provide them with the resources they need. Make them full of compassion and free of anxiety. Sustain their families. For the sick and infected, support their bodies and spirits. Lord, we boldly ask that you quickly contain the spread of infection and heal those afflicted. You are the ultimate healer and we know all is possible for you. Even when we can't feel it or see it, you're working. For you are sovereign over all and you are good. We can always trust in your steadfast love for us. No matter our earthly circumstances, you are worthy of all honor and praise. Thank you for being big enough to hold all of our fear, frustration, and anger. Thank you for being a God that allows and invites us to rail against our world, your timing, and even you. We can do this secure in your unfailing, unchanging love. You have already written the story, Father. You are so, so good. We long for your kingdom to come. Amen. Amen.